Welcome back to No Picks at the Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We are on our second part with Miss Emily. Remember, we left off uh, with her talking about her having found out she has MS. And uh, life is a little bit different now. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Miss Emily. So almost immediately after I was diagnosed with MS, we, at that point in time in the Michigan legislature, they were debating whether or not they were going to expand Medicaid in the state of Michigan, which was a component of the Affordable Care Act. Um, So after I got sick and I went through my own insurance, um, I guess I could say issues, but it's really a coverage gap is, is, is what it was. I got sick. I had terrible insurance. I was a month away from getting great insurance and seeing the disparity of, of what you're able to do. You know, I couldn't even go to the doctor because my deductible was $10,000 when I had, let's pause, pause. Uh-huh. You said $10,000. Yeah. Um, so that means for people who has ten thousand, just cash, right? Like liquid ten grand. And this is with insurance. That was with insurance. So how does one afford the treatment to well, they be helped? Can't. Okay, you can't because, and I, I want to make sure that people kind of understand. So the disease modifying drug that I take every single month without insurance is $7,200. That's $7,200. The average person doesn't make that. No. The average person in the United States, I think, makes somewhere around $58,000 a year. Correct. So that is out of reach for people who don't have insurance or have a $10,000 deductible. Like, that's crazy. That's You're not helping people. So when Michigan was was debating, um, you know, and kind of deciding whether or not they were going to expand Medicaid, I really wanted to throw myself into it. Not because, not because I was dependent on Medicaid, but it, it. I just had such an appreciation for what that safety net meant for people, especially people that had, have chronic illnesses. But also, and this is something that I talk about often with young people, I was 27 when I was diagnosed and a healthy 27-year-old. You don't have insurance because you're already sick. You get insurance because you don't know what will happen. And, you know, there are people out there, I know you can stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26 now. Well, I was diagnosed at 27. Missed the cut. So I would have missed the cut. Um, it's really important that people understand that something like MS can happen to anybody. But how long did it take you to understand insurance with MS? I mean, like, was it when those Well, the were- learning curve is real, but like, you got to get it figured out quick because the only person who's really looking out for you is you. Um, so you know, I needed to make sure that my insurance was going to cover things. 
I needed to make sure that doctors were in network. You learn the questions to ask when you get the bill that screws you, right? So what was the highest bill that you saw when you were going through the process that you had to pay out of pocket? Well, I have been fortunate where my out-of-pocket costs have been relative all things considered relatively low. But in my first year of care, my insurance was charged over $100,000. Well over $100,000. So it was it exceeded what I was earning that year. Folks, again, $100,000. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And you know, I just don't understand how normal people are expected to pay for this without insurance. And that's why insurance and making sure that low income folks, working folks, families have access to quality health insurance that is going to cover them if somebody in their family or themselves gets sick. It's not too much to ask. It's really not. Um, it really, it really bothers me that there is a company out there who makes so much money off of me every single year. I'm a golden goose for a pharmaceutical company. And it, it really bothers me that I'm just a profit margin now, because that's what you are. Now, the million dollar question I have for you would be, can you get life insurance? No. Quick I'm, answer. No, I don't qualify. Is that because you have a pre-existing condition? Yeah. So how would you set yourself up long-term then? Well, I hate to say this, but it, it, the system is a little rigged for people okay. who, who have pre-existing conditions. Because I don't qualify for life insurance because I have a disease that is, we know it is more costly. It, we also know that it does shave off about 10 years of your life expectancy. That is what science says right now. That reality could be very different in five years. It could be very different next year. Um, but it does shave about 10 years off your life expectancy. So- it's just, it's just another, it's just another thing that is out there that's supposed to be able to help people close that gap, but is out of reach for people who are sick. So basically when you work for a company, mm -hmm. say you get a new job, you get insurance to them, mm -hmm. you get the answer to those questions on that pamphlet of things pre-existing conditions, mm -hmm. is your premium a little bit higher for, than anybody else's or how does that work? No. No. So it's because, because of the Affordable Care Act, um, health insurance premiums are no longer dictated by your health history. That you're actually put into categories by age. So I am charged just as much as a, another 34-year-old person. Um, also insurance cannot charge women more than men. 
which was something that insurance companies were doing regularly um, before the Affordable Care Act. So um, luckily, I am not charged more because of my health diagnosis, which is, again, very important for working people who are trying to just set up their financial health. It's just, a, it, it is it is better for financial health for everybody if everybody's on the same level footing. Now, I know that you were a big advocate of it, mm-hmm. of the health of healthcare and, you know, not treading lightly on the politics, treading mm-hmm. very lightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you gave a speech mm-hmm. um, about a year or two ago about insurance. Mm-hmm. Could you give us, touch a little bit about that, that what you sum up kind of like what you were talking about? It was yeah. on Capitol Hill. Yeah. So I did a, um, I did a press conference with um, a few members of Congress, one of them being now Speaker Pelosi. And it, we, it was at the time when the majority party at the time, the Republican party wanted to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. I am not somebody who thinks that the Affordable Care Act is perfect, but I think it's the best that we've got. And if people would, if the members of Congress would actually do their job, um, we could build off of it and make it better. But the repeal and the replace option two years ago that got so close to passing was not a good option. Well, it's not a good option. It's just so our viewers understand. Yeah. Because I feel like when it hits home and people understand the real life stories about yeah. this, then they can relate instead of just going off of what, you know, if I'm red or blue. Sure. Black or white. So you know, I, I think you <clears throat> really need to hear. It would have made insurance companies, it would have allowed them to charge me more for my health insurance. <clears throat> In some cases, charge me more, so much more that it would be unaffordable. So I would lose my health insurance. Also, there were, I'm trying to remember the absolute specifics of the bill because they were particularly egregious, but we, the the charging more because of pre-existing conditions was a huge one, but also there's something called a lifetime maximum that health insurance companies used to impose on on insurance plans. Before the Affordable Care Act, your lifetime maximum was oftentimes a million dollars. So let me put that into perspective. You get, you know, you have your insurance policy and you're like, a million dollars. I'm never going to reach a million dollars. Anything after a million dollars, they don't cover anymore. That is your lifetime maximum of what they're going to pay. But if you remember, in my first year of care, my insurance was charged over $100,000. So if we just use $100,000 as a nice round number, I would exceed my lifetime maximum in 10 years. I want want, want the folks at home to hear that. Um, Could you repeat that one more time again? Yeah. So a lifetime maximum before the Affordable Care Act was usually a million dollars. In my first year of care, 
with MS, my insurance was charged over $100,000. So using $100,000 is a round number. I would have exceeded my lifetime maximum in 10 years. So wow. what do you do after you exceed your lifetime maximum? Well, you have to go get another insurance plan. But nobody, now no, the nobody, insu- nobody, nobody wants you. you. Nobody's going to pick Nobody's you up. Gonna pick you up. No. So then you, I would have been 37. If the lifetime maximum still existed, I would lose my health insurance by 37 and be uncovered. At 37, you're still a young person. Like you've a lot of time to be un, to to be uninsured and i could there's no way i could afford the drugs that i need to take the um monitoring that i need to do to make sure that my disease is not progressing um there it it becomes unaffordable and then you have people who are just not getting care because that's the alternative the alternative isn't like oh well i'll just go get another insurance plan no, it's not that easy. And it's insulting a little bit that their messaging was, well, you'll just go get a new insurance plan. Well, no, <laughs> it's actually that said, oh, so says the healthy person. Now, it's a very privileged statement. Now, we we talk question. a lot about privilege. There's a lot of privilege for healthy people. Would you have. MS. Mm-hmm. If you didn't do anything about it, mm-hmm. how long or what have you heard? What would have happened? What would happen? You run out of you, you run out of money, mm-hmm. run out of a million dollar, whatever. What happens? Well, your health outcomes become worse, Argu- arguably worse. That's when you start to see um, people really being disabled and that's a, this is a really good point. When you don't take care of yourself, your health outcomes are worse. So for somebody like MS, where we know that disability is a factor for a lot of people that have MS, whether it's you know, they have to have walking devices or they're totally bed bound. You become a member of society that isn't able to contribute. So you're actually not doing yourself or you, or the other people around you any favors because you're, you're imposing worse health outcomes on them. So then they aren't able to work as long. So they're not able to pay taxes as long. They're not able to pay into social security as long. Then they become disabled. So then they start drawing on disability. They start drawing on Medicare and drawing on social security. So then they end up actually costing everybody more money in the long run. That's the, that is the scam about this whole thing is if we just kept people healthy, their everybody's outcomes are better. Now, have you compared our health care to any other nations, or have you ever thought about getting medicine if you ran out of that insurance to go into Canada? Have you ever thought about that? I have not ever been in the situation where I've needed to, so I've not. I have. I have not thought about it in cases for myself, but. I think 
it is unacceptable that Medicare is not able to Medicare as is right now is not able to negotiate negotiate pharmaceutical prices with pharmaceutical companies where in other countries they can do that so it actually drives the cost down on a lot of these medications if medicare is able to negotiate the price it drives the cost down for everybody so places like canada and um in some cases mexico and in the united kingdom and you know places in europe drugs are so much less money and so there's a it's tough for me to say that i wouldn't go and try and get medication in another country if it's drastically less money and it's the same stuff you know i mean there's a reason why i'm going there there's a reason why i'm asking okay keep on going I mean, it's just, um, yeah, obviously safety has always been a major concern because, I mean, <laughs> these are hardcore drugs, right, that we're, that we're taking to make sure that the d- disease doesn't d- progress through our body. So you want to make sure that what you're, what you're taking has been adequately tested and um, is perfectly safe for humans to take, and, and there's not going to be adverse side effects that, um, are not going to be, are not going to outweigh the benefits. Um, but that is something that I do believe people should be able to do is find the lowest cost option. So right now we're in year seven of have MS or year eight. Am I off? Uh, I, this will be, this February will be the sixth anniversary. Okay. And you always do, I know you do the MS walk every year. Well, I, I did it the first three years and then I took a break and then we did last year, we blew it out and we did a five-year anniversary. Not sure I'm going to do it this year. I feel like my donor network really needs a minute to recover. I don't think people never want to give up and stop donating money. I mean, it's a great cause and and it it hits home for so many people. Sure. And, you know, you're loved all across, you know, from Michigan to Maryland to D.C. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I remember- People have to get the band back together. I remember meeting your uncle who lived in Long Island who came up. Yeah. And and did the walk also. Yeah. My uncle Jeff. So I guess what I'm leading up to with Corn Overseas is, Mm -hmm. I heard through the grapevine that you might be taking something- New. Oh, on, yeah. New on the street. Yeah. And um, that's what I want to touch on because I, you know, I know a lot of experimental drugs come from overseas. Uh-huh. Um, I have a condition, but I don't really get into it because this is uh-huh. your story that some of this can, can take care of in Canada. Uh-huh. But again, like your point. Yeah. You don't know the doctor over there. You don't know. It, it, yeah, it's the right. Comfortability. Right. Um, so, and my situation is for my eyes. Mm-hmm. But- a lot of people I know go over there mm-hmm. and I've heard reports about mm-hmm. the success rate. Mm-hmm. You going next with the experimental drug. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I heard, it's the Wall Street experimental thing. Um, the best in business right now. Mm-hmm. Does insurance cover this? No. And why would you take that leap? Well, my insurance isn't going to cover it. Okay. But I am... Um, I'm, 
incredibly lucky enough to have been accepted into um, a program that the drug manufacturer is going to pay for my drugs. And it's called Lemtrada. Um, it is a chemotherapy drug. It was previously approved for, I believe, leukemia. Um, but so I take a shorter dose of this for five days and then I, I won't lose my hair. <laughs> that was the first question I asked. Um, I take five days of this chemotherapy and then I take no disease modifying drug for a year. And then next year I will take three doses of the chemotherapy drug. And then I will take no disease modifying drug for four years, at least four years. So clinical trials of Lemtrada used in cases for relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis, which is the type of MS that I have. Um, it is shown to halt the disease activity entirely. And in some cases, reverse any clinical side effects that you may suffer from previous attacks. So what that means is, because I, I know that's a little kind of confusing. In, lay, in layman's terms. Yeah. So um, in layman's terms, when I do, when I put my head down like this, so I'm putting my head down and I'm looking towards my feet, there's like this electrical shock that happens where I can feel a tingle go down both of my arms when I do that. And that's because I have a lesion there. I've, I've damaged my spinal cord there. Hopefully, this drug, if I'm lucky enough, will reverse some of that damage. So maybe when I put my head down like that, I won't feel an electrical shock go down my What arm. made you feel like you wanted, uh, when they came, when they approached you, mm -hmm. were you a little hesitant about this? Well, so how this came about is I had a relapse over in the late summer. Um, and I had not had a relapse in four years. So this was, uh, how do I, it was devastating. I, I mean, it was sad. It's, I don't know that it was devastating, but it was very concerning, especially for my doctor, because I did have new disease activity. And so what that means is actually I failed the medication that I was on. And so when you fail a medication, you, you have to try something different. And Lemtrada has been approved for people who have previously failed two other drugs. So I have failed two drugs now. So I would have to change to something anyways. Um, and, and truly, this is like the best of the best of my options. And so I wanted to do the best of the best. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for sharing with our listeners here. Mm -hmm. That's, um, and this is covered under insurance or not? This it is, is not, not, it's not covered. Well, my insurance doesn't cover it. So I have been accepted into the program that the drug manufacturer will cover it. Okay. Um, but it's incredibly expensive. It is $158,000 for this treatment. So we went from 100000 to 150000 mm -hmm. for treatment. Mm -hmm. 
but it's for two years. So okay. I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, about two. Okay. But that what we're going to do is um, we're going to keep in contact mm-hmm. with Emily. And after year one, or maybe two, if this podcast is still going. Mm-hmm. We'll do a we'll, check-in. We'll do a check-in. As a matter of fact, we'll probably do a check-in in a year, see how everything's working out. And um, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Of course. Um, this is very important. And I think people need to hit home with people who, you know, you hear stories, but this is somebody who's sharing their time and telling their experience mm-hmm. about life. And uh, again, I appreciate you taking time on your day. Of course. This is fun. This is uh, No Pictures of the Dark podcast on location in Washington, D.C. Uh, if you want to be on, you know you how to hit us, No Pics After Dark at gmail.com. We're out. <laughs>